Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today we have Joe LaFleur. Joe is a multifamily investment advisor with 100units.com, representing multifamily buyers and sellers throughout the central Florida market, and has helped clients successfully close over 150 transactions, totaling over $200 million in volume. In 2018, 25% of his business was from uh, international investors alone. So how are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. It's always great to have get brokers on and because this is usually where an investor, US or internationally based, will start when they uh, start talking to you first before they start probably doing any other part of their team, I would imagine. So everyone's different. Yeah. I, I learned a long time ago. I don't know. <laughs> so Joe, give us a little background on yourself before launching your current company, 100 Units. Uh, my background, so I've been doing this business for about a decade. Um, I got my start at Marcus and Melichap, learned all the training wheels, you know, got started, got things going, did that for about six years, went off on our own at 100units.com in 2015. And we've been doing that ever since. Uh, just to give a little idea, we've closed just over $200 million worth of real estate. We've done over, you know, 150 plus transactions. Our, our wheelhouse is mom and pop apartment owners. So $1 million to $10 million deals, private clients, private owners, and it's all, all multifamily all the time. That's the only stuff we do. Okay. So that's our entire focus. And, mo and all of that is within Central Florida. So plus or minus from, ten, you know, from coast to coast. And probably from, you know, basically Fort Lauderdale up through Flagler. Okay. It's kind of our, our space. What was your reasoning for uh, just wondering for getting into multifamily? Obviously, you're probably doing that at Marcus. But... Oh, multifamily. That's an awesome question. Okay. So, I got started in this business in 2007. It was perfect timing. <laughs> I was going to be the best office broker of all time. I was going to sell office buildings. And I tried very hard to sell them. And I found out very quickly, it was extremely difficult in 2008, 2009, because they were worth about half what the debt was typically. And some wise genius said, Joe, you know what's easier to sell? Apartment buildings, because you might actually sell one. So <laughs> I listened to them and they were right. And I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> yeah, that's that definitely, I mean, I, I definitely could see how that could be an asset class that wasn't performing at all in 2007. So yeah. Fortunately, uh, apartment buildings are way easier to understand, uh, way easier to get financed. Uh, I don't know. Everything about them, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. On top of that, I think the trajectory for multifamily assets is significantly better than any other asset class, maybe with the exception of industrial. You can make some arguments there. But other than that, I see the growth in multifamily assets significantly outpacing every other asset class. So for listeners not familiar with the whole uh, Central Florida and area markets. Explain like some of the, what, what kind of growth are you guys experienced there over the last couple of years, few years since the great recession? 
Uh, it's been tremendous growth since the Great Recession. That was the bottoming of our universe in 2000, late 2009, early 2010. Uh, to get some statistics on Central Florida, what everyone's going to first think of in Orlando is Disney. Uh, we got a tip of the hat to Walt Disney. He put this city on the map in the like, early 70s, late 70s. In that time frame, he took this city from being basically a lot of orange groves and cow pasture and turned it into a booming metropolis. And if you go through that, that segment from as far as Central Florida is concerned, that is the major driver is Walt Disney World and what has become of the theme parks. And this has become a massive tourist mecca. Just to give you an idea, so here in Florida, we've had over 126 million visitors. Of those, 75 million came into Orlando. Wow. Of the, and of those 75 million, well, as over six and a half were international investors. So wow. it, our tourist, the tourist business drives Central Florida. And it has for the last 40 years. Um, as far as growth in, as far as what we're talking about with growth, we've got job growth. Let's see what we got on statistics for job growth. We've got Orlando for the fourth straight year has led the nation with job growth, um, rent growth. This year, we also are leading, we're also in um, beating the national average. We're going to over two and a half percent rent growth. Now that is for all, uh, all, uh, a, B, C, right. across all um, classes of uh, multifamily deals. And what you'll find, the space that we play in, which is typically C and B class properties, just because of the vintage, we're well outpacing that with north of 5% rent growth in the B and C space. And what the reason for that is on the A class space, it, there's a tremendous amount of supply being added to that market. Mm right now. We've got over 10,000 units coming into delivery in the next year, just to get an idea. Yeah. Yeah. B and C, you can't build old buildings. It's like trying to build an old car. So yeah. in that space, we're able to see very strong rent growth. And it's been very good for all of our investors just to give some kind of metrics as far as Central Florida. Yeah. Yeah. With the new, with new inventory that comes on, obviously they're going to build it at the B plus or a minus level, a, a class level around. Cause that's what, that's, what's really driving that whole, that whole level of it. And you have a lot of institutional players that are getting in there, but um, what do you see for the future over the next 10 years? Over the next 10 years, it looks like we should continue going in this same direction. Uh, if you look Florida has been a volatile market. It has its ups and downs, but if you look at any trajectory, it is outpacing most markets. And you also have a massive population shift in the United States toward the Sun Belt. So overall, when you look at any kind of demographic or population moving, if you look at the maps, you're going to see significant more influx into Florida than most other states. You've got Arizona and Texas would be the other ones. But across the board, you are going to be leading the way in Florida by investing here. You're going to have significant population coming out of the Southeast and the Rust Belt. There's significant growth coming here. Yeah, yeah that's great. And I saw that you guys are also doing some mobile home parks now too that are yeah. coming up. Yeah, so. we're crossing over, you know, taking full advantage of being in the multifamily space. So that is also workforce housing. And that's an area that has done very well. I also, just because we happen to be in Florida, there is a significant supply of mobile homes. In fact, Polk County, which is one county over from Orange County heading toward Tampa, has the largest mobile home population in any county uh, in the Southeast United States. 
Oh, really? uh, we happen to have it just a tremendous supply, you know, right here in our hometown. <laughs> wow. How does that differ when you're, do you have investors that purchase that, that are pretty experienced in that? I mean, that's a much different, uh, not, you know, it's a much different animal than just buying an apartment building. I would imagine when it comes to management and when it comes to, you know, doing your expenses and everything like that. The, How does that differ? There is, there's two major operational differences. One is the concept of a mobile home, the fact that the tenants own the home typically, and you're responsible for the land and making sure that the tenant maintains their home. That's one of the big differences. The other one is financing. The financing for an apartment building is significantly easier than for a mobile home park. Uh, mobile home park, you're gonna be typically using with, you know, small local banks, Center State Bank, um, Vistar, Pilot, but if you go to Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, they're just gonna laugh yeah. at you. Whereas any lender anywhere is going to lend on an apartment building and be delighted to do so. Yeah, it's definitely the, uh, you can definitely get gold standard loans when it comes to multifamily, especially over that million dollar loan mark. Um, so for investors that you work with normally, what do you see? I mean, we always, I, I like to always know, uh, what do you see for investors that, that actually, that you see that fails when people consistently, when people come to you, they've done something, or what are the common reasons you see that people fail with multifamily? Uh, failure would, uh, to me, would be losing money on a deal. And typically when you see it in that space, in the multifamily space over the last 10 years, it's been so good. It, took, it would take tremendous amount of effort to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory because you have so many headwinds that are, or so many tailwinds that are pushing you in the right direction that unless you go into an asset and just significantly over improve it, just overspend on capital improvement, it's pretty hard not to have a, a return on investment. There has been a few times when I have seen people fail and I would put this number one, not understanding what they're purchasing. So it's easy to look at a property and look at it on an Excel spreadsheet and think, oh, it has numbers and look, I put the interest here, the rent here, the expenses there. A property is a living, breathing animal on its own. It is a business. It is an operating business, and it needs to be operated that way. Just because you see some numbers on a spreadsheet it is not the same as the actual property itself. So the ones that I have seen fail has been operationally because they didn't pay attention and get good management in place. They tried to manage it themselves from a distance, and they didn't really know how to do it. And instead of hiring professional managers to run the property, they tried to save a little bit of money and they ended up watching their asset go downhill, their collections went through the roof, and then they're trying to salvage the property afterward. So I, I would definitely say the number one gotcha or number one area where people fail is to forget that a multifamily property is a living, breathing organism. It is a business unto itself and needs to be operated like a business. Yeah. Yeah. The management can definitely make or break any type of, uh, especially multifamily investment. So it's, yeah. what do you see now on the other foot as a, as a common theme with people that make money all the time, your, your investors that come back to you maybe multiple times and consistently make money. The, the other side of that coin. <laughs> they, they know exactly <laughs> they know what they're, they're doing. Operational basis. Exactly. Yeah. It's because I, it, you, you compare multifamily assets to other ones, you know, office buildings, retail, industrial, single tenant, net lease deals. The, the management spectrum, the multifamily is far on the management intensive spectrum. It is required that you manage that asset. The tenant leases are turning over. You're going to be collecting rent every month. You don't have you know, Starbucks guaranteeing your rent. You don't have 
I don't know, AT&T guaranteeing your rent. You have to deal with a tenant and it's a it, ongoing process. And the ones who do well control that management. And it's not that they manage the properties. It's that they do a good job of managing the manager. So every month they're going over all the collection reports. They're going over all the expense reports. They're looking at the manager and making sure the manager who's managing the property is doing what they're supposed to be doing. They don't come in six months later and just say, oh, what happened to my property? They're there every month checking to make sure the manager is doing what they're supposed to be doing as delivering on their, the plan that they put in place together. And what about when someone's looking at pinpointing a, a market, uh, a county, even a city, a neighborhood of where they want to invest? What, what should be one of the main things or some of the main things they should look for when they're figuring out exactly where they're going to target looking for properties, multifamily? That is like asking, uh, is Mona Lisa the, the most beautiful painting? <laughs> Everybody's got their own opinion and is 100% subjective. Yeah. It all depends on their, what they're looking to accomplish. One of the keys I would say is to make sure you're clear on what you want to accomplish. Because if you're going into, uh, if you only want to buy properties in A-class locations and you're perfectly acceptable with a very low and very conservative return, but your risk is also very low, well, that may suit your objectives very well. On the other end of the spectrum, you may want someone who wants to go into a you know, a D or C class area, renovate the property, do a ton of work, but they are going into a higher crime area. They're going into a lower income area where they're going to have to put more effort and more management into the property. And the operations is going to reflect that. And on the other side, their return is going to reflect that. Right. So it, it really depends on the objectives of the, of the owner and what that investor wants to do. I, I would say being cognizant of where you are on that spectrum is very important. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is go in with a mindset that you're going to get a high return like what you've seen in C-class areas and buy an A-class property. It's just a waste of everyone's time. And it's a total, it has complete, just waste of everyone's time because yeah. your expectations are just outside of reality. Right. Yeah, of course. What are going from that of a waste of everybody's time? What do you see as sometimes a, a regret or dislike you have from dealing with uh, buyers or sellers? Something that they do consistently that you're just like, I don't want to deal with this guy again. I'm not returning his emails. I'm not taking this guy's property. I'm not going to list it. I'll give you two examples. So number one, I'll say you have one of the most precious resource. The only thing you have is your time. And when people waste your time, that is the worst thing they can do. I mean, they can steal money. I can go make more money. I can't go make more time. There's nothing I can do to replace time that I've wasted on something. So absolutely wasting time is number one on my list of things too, <laughs> that I can't stand what people do. Now, barring that, I would say there's always another deal. And when something comes along, sometimes it just makes sense to work together. And it's just important to know who you're going to work with. Yeah. Interesting. So the theme of our, of the podcast is, as you know, international investors, and you've worked with uh, one out of four, roughly of the investors you've worked with um, currently are, are international. Yeah. Now, what do you, what do they see? I mean, obviously everybody has their own investment criteria when they come into a deal of what they're looking for, but what is it, what are commonly are they looking to do uh, per se? And like, what countries are they usually coming from that you're, you're working with mainly? Canada is number one, Israel, number two, South America, you know, between 
Brazil, Colombia, South America will be the, the second one. It's interesting because I really thought we would have to do a lot more business with the UK, but that has been a, a lower percentage of our business than between Canada and Israel. Those have been the strongest uh, op- countries that we've dealt with. We did, I would, if you would have asked me this question 2013, 2014, the Brazil, that Brazil, Venezuela, Argentina would have been significant investors that I dealt with from those countries. Those have actually tapered off and it's significantly been more from Canada and from Israel. Okay. And I imagine because as I understand their markets are, there's no return really on a lot of commercial properties. Yeah. Yeah. They they look at ours and they're looking, you know, they're looking at three cap, three and a half cap is like a norm in their marketplace. So when they come here to Florida, it's it's a tremendous opportunity for them. What do you, uh, when, when someone comes to you and they're looking to invest, what kind of, what, how do you, where would you, if they're, they're coming in, they don't have their entity or anything set up, they're just looking to invest or internationally, what would be the first thing that you would point them in the direction of doing the first few things, steps to take? So the first two things, you're going to get to know the area you're buying a piece of property in. It's, it's easy to look at a property on an Excel spreadsheet or on an offering memorandum and look at the income expense and say, oh, look, I, you know, this property makes a lot of sense. It's another thing to actually get in the car and go drive the property. Go sit in the parking lot, take a look at it. What kind of people are coming in and out? What kind of tenants are you going to be dealing with? What, what is the location? How does it feel? And, and I think that's one of the steps that sometimes investors skip. And it can be to their detriment because they didn't really pay attention as the property. The property is a living, breathing organism. It's its own business entity. It's not, it doesn't live on an Excel spreadsheet. It runs based on the property itself. And you really need to know not only what the property you're purchasing is, but when you purchase that property, you can't do anything to change the properties around it. And those other properties around it dictate or highly influence the value of yours. You can go in, do a complete beautiful renovation job on yours, but if all the properties around it are dumpy, they look horrible. They're all, you got crime, you have tenants that are you know, vandalizing the properties and yours is next to that. You're, there's nothing you can do about the other properties that are there. It's, it's, you can prove your property as much as you want, but you can't move it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things to make sure the first thing you do, is should drive the market. Go look at all the deals, go drive next to them, go see what the properties look like, go see what the rent comps look like, go see what the sales comps look like, and get a feel for what kind of properties they like, what kind of areas they like, what are the sub-markets that they're interested in. I think that's one of the most important things they can do as far as a first step. After that, as far as getting entities set up, going to, that's all you can have an attorney run through all that. Yeah. And it's just basically check boxes. I mean, they've done it a thousand times before. Here, fill out these 18 forms, boom, there you go. Right. And then as far as lenders, we can set that up. We've run it. I couldn't count the number of times. But it's really important, that, especially if they're using either their money or they're using friends and family where they're actually raising yeah. their money in their own country. They need to know what they're putting it into and make sure they feel comfortable with that. Yeah. Not just the markets. They have to get down and see like even street by street because yeah. so many different neighborhoods and markets and cities, um, there's, a, there's a place you don't want to live and there's a place you can't afford to live and kind of a thing. Be- you know what I mean? 
very close to each other. <laughs> yes. Especially in parts of Florida. That's, that's yeah. for sure. So that's yeah, yeah, definitely driving the markets and doing it. But so what would you, what do you suggest for any websites or books and investors? I'll put all these links in the bottom of it, but what do you, do you suggest any websites or books to any new investors or anybody that's interested in getting into multifamily? I would say the first place to go is we start looking at deals on LoopNet. Mm -hmm. so LoopNet.com, I would say start looking at deals that make sense for you. Um, you can check our website out. We've got tons of resources, actually interviews with property managers, attorneys, uh, insurance brokers, lenders, every, you know, so you can get opinion on those. Um, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, so Cashflow and uh, Cashflow Real Estate by Kevin Buck is really oh. good. Listen to Wheelbarrow podcast, the Wheelbarrow with Jake and Gino. They do a great job. Hunter Thompson, if you're into yeah. uh, syndicated deals, I think that's a really good resource. Self-storage. He's a self-storage guy too, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. And I'm trying to think as far as, as far as books, one of my personal favorites is the real estate game, which was written by a PhD. I can't remember his name at this moment. It really talks about the concept of real estate. Um, after that, I would look at uh, several books by Craig Hall, who's been, he's been in the real estate game doing uh, apartment buildings since uh, let's say like the late sixties. So he's seen it for decades. And he wrote Timing the Real Estate Market, which was really good. The Art of the Turnaround, which was really good. Um, both of those books were excellent. And they, they're one of those books that it's not just something flashy today. It's he wrote those books 40 years ago. Right. And when you look at something that stood the test of time and it still works, the same formula, when you look at it, it's like people are still executing on this formula and being successful at it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, those are the, those are the people you want to learn from that have a track record that have been through many ups and many downs. Cause there's a lot of people buying right now and even using other people's money to buy now that weren't investing in multifamily in 07, 08, and don't know what, what a recession is and how rents are, you know what I mean? And it's, yeah. kind of, it's very risky dealing with someone that hasn't been through the whole market cycle. So, um, I, I think that's one of the things if you, if you look <laughs> Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, if you read any of theirs, they always talk about a margin of safety. Hmm. And I, I think that typically, or at least the deals that I've seen here, when you look at multifamily assets, you have the margin of safety because people always need a place to live. Mm -hmm. They can always drop down and go down from the 3000 a month unit. They can drop down to that 2500 a month unit, but they're not going to go to zero and live under a bridge. They always need a place to live. You can downsize, but you're always going to need a place to live. And the multifamily assets that we sell are the B and C class apartments. They're on the lower rung of that scale. So when people are starting to downsize, our assets actually do better. Yeah. They are the lower income and people are going to live somewhere under yeah. all circumstances. It's the workforce housing and those yeah. jobs really, I was talking to someone earlier today and uh, you know, you might during a recession, you might, somebody might get clipped on a job, get laid off on $80,000 a year, but you're not, somebody might, is not going to get laid off probably with a $38,000 a year that's in workforce housing for a company that's, you know, you're not going to get rid of your janitor or get rid of this or, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, and also you're always, you can always go down. I think the, one of the big things is building the value into the property and not overbuilding, obviously, or we're just in a whole different problem altogether. But if you can limit your downside by adding value, kind of getting those rents up and then there's, there'll be some more flexibility if, you know, but if you have the fixed, if you have the reserves and you have long-term fixed debt, I think you can really eliminate 
most issues that are happening with uh, any property you, purchase. Uh, the debt issue you just talked about is incredibly important. In this space, I was, I was in the space, watched a lot of buildings get foreclosed on 2010, 2011, 2012. Those buildings without exception would have survived. The owners wouldn't have made any money. They would have lived incredibly lean, but they could have survived if they didn't have a balloon on their mortgage come due. If that mortgage, if the balloon didn't come due, every single one of them without exception would have survived the downturn in the market. It was only when their balloon payment came due and they couldn't refinance, that's when they got caught as far as multifamily, because you could always drop the rent, you can offer some incentives. They weren't making, trust me, they were making no money running those properties. But every single one of them would have survived if their balloon hadn't come due. Hmm. So what you were just talking about, having long-term debt, which is readily available now, the people who are taking advantage to me are taking a, a tremendous risk if they're taking three, five-year debt when 10 years, 15 years is readily available. Yeah, especially if they're buying with a loan amount, a million or over where they can get Fannie or Freddie and then they can really do... I mean, they can go as much 30, you know what I mean? 30 years fully amortizing. So, but, um, well, Joe, give us a little information and how people can learn more about a hundred units.com and, uh, yourself. Take a while. What do you think the website is? <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a really smart individual, Mark Thompson. Everyone check him out. He's at grocery anchor.com. He said, Joe, make sure your company name is the .com. That way it's very easy for everyone to remember it. The other thing is I want to make sure it's so easy to be able to say an email address because you're talking on the phone and someone tells you their email address and they got 87 characters. You're trying to spell it. You're like, I don't know how to spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It's too complicated. Whereas 100units.com, 100UNITS, everyone knows that. And especially with Joe, it makes my life super easy. <laughs> so that's where you can find all our info right there. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So Joe at a hundred units, uh, com. And then do you have any other information? Exactly. Don't forget.com. <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, I screwed up your whole marketing. Forget plan that right guy at net. You don't want to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, I mean, I've been on there before. They can just sign up right for your newsletter. They obviously can email you. Everything's on there. So there's no, I mean, that's great. Yeah. Okay, All our deal. We, we put full focus on getting deals done. The first thing you're going to see is our active deals. So if you got guys looking for property, boom, right there, active deals. If they want to see sample offering memorandums, they want to be able to access the information on each property is readily available right there on every single property. And they'll have in every package, they're going to see comparable sales. So you'll be able to see a breakdown of the rents, the income, the expenses. You'll be able to see a breakdown of other properties that sold in that market. That way, every, when you start your research, that's a huge, huge advantage you're going to have over most investors. Yeah. I really think that your website has more information than going on LoopNet for some of the deals. I mean, cause LoopNet sometimes they have all the information then they have nothing, but yours, yeah. your deals on your website are actually really spelt out and are actually pretty uh, accurate numbers when you look at it and you're like, cause LoopNet stuff you look at it and you're like, this is completely crazy. <laughs> you know, I don't know who drew up these <laughs> expense ratios, but it's like, you know what I mean? Hey, everybody's got their, it's like, uh, everyone's entitled to their opinion, man. It's freedom of speech. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to self-manage a hundred units yourself and uh, you don't have to worry about that whole pesky 4% management fee, then yeah, no, it's, it's accurate. But so, uh, Joe, another thing. That's crazy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Didn't you know the tenants manage it for you? Oh no. Yeah. No, it's a triple net lease, uh, multifamily. Um, so I know, uh, Johnny, your partner who I've met before, um, he yeah. handles more of Brevard County. And for people that don't know what we're talking about, that's about an hour Southeast on the water of, uh, Orlando, I guess we would say. Yeah. Um, and you're handling more of central, central Florida. Florida. Yeah. Dead in the center around Orlando. Exactly. So if someone's Johnny Pullman, we've been uh, partners for seven plus years now. So he's an awesome guy. He does a great job. He's actually a better salesman than I am. Don't tell him I said that. But <laughs> <laughs> it is true. He is actually a much better salesperson than I actually than I am. He's a very easygoing guy, which makes yeah. it very, when you're dealing, especially with big numbers and usually you'll have deal with salespeople that are pushing into something. It's very laid back. I had coffee with him and it was, Hey, if you want it, if you don't, I mean, let me know. And you're like, well, I, I got to get back to this guy right away. Like I can't, you know, cause you don't know what he has. Well, also, we have seven other offers behind him. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, at this part of the market, yeah, it's very, very easy. If you have an email box full of people that are looking at the property that you're talking about. So, but, um, okay, perfect. So people are dealing with orange County, central Florida, obviously like Lakeland Polk, anything like that, that's all going to be yeah. uh, dealing with you most likely and anything else. East is going to be dealing with uh, Johnny. So perfect. Yeah. Well, I run it down to Vero. That's Johnny's area. And then anything in the center of Florida, you know, inland is my side. And that's okay. Kind of how we, it, it's kind of weird that that's just dividing up over history. Just, that's just what ended up happening. Okay. All right. Perfect. Well, just so people know who they're, who they're contacting. So yeah. what I'll do is um, I'll put all this information into the notes section of both the podcast and YouTube. And then, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for being on the podcast today. And um, have a good rest of your week. Awesome. You too. Thanks for having us on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.